It's good having the kids up here. They've gone off to Children's Church to learn about Jesus. And I just want to say I really appreciate all those of you who volunteer and teach and help in Children's Church. It's very encouraging for the kids there. And we have a great system, a lot of safety, a lot of security down there. There's like this name tag thing put on the kid, and the parents get one, and won't let the kids out until we swap name tags. And so last week, my wife was out of town, and one of my older children had the name tags and actually left the building. And I wondered why I didn't see my kids. And they were still in their classrooms really, really late. And so I didn't get to pick them up till today. So they've been there <laughs> all week. Some serious security right there. So I'm really encouraged by that. Well, now that we have uh, taught the kids and got them all figured out, and they're going to obey you perfectly now, now it's time to work on the rest of us. And we know that when we talk about relationships, especially family relationships, whether it's our kids, parents, marriage, it can be hard sometimes, and at times it can be rather messy. We live in a sinful world, and we're trying to interact with other sinners. Now, I want to read you something, and I have permission to share this this morning, so don't think I don't have permission, I have permission. Earlier this year, two or three months ago, our youth director, Joe Pammon, and his wife, Bethany, were about to take off for Morocco to plan out a summer mission trip, as they do each summer. It's a new place in Morocco they're going. And so before they took off, Bethany emailed some people to pray as they were having some family difficulties. Maybe some of you got that email. This is what she said. Over the past few weeks, it is starting to feel like our family might be under attack spiritually. We've had the flu, pink eye, ear infections, the flu again. Yesterday, we were driving the kids, two of the kids, down uh, halfway to Little Rock to give them to our parents uh, when our son, Jude, slipped off a bench at McDonald's and injured his arm. We spent five hours in the ER in Mount Vernon, Illinois, trying to figure out what actually went wrong. After consulting with a lot of doctors, we decided that it was still okay for us to go on our trip, but my parents have to take him to be seen in Little Rock and possible uh, put a cast on him while we are away. Although his injury doesn't seem to be very serious and might heal on its own, it just feels like this is one more thing that has crushed our soul right now. And it's in the context of this soul-crushing life that we're supposed to love and serve. And Job and Bethany, they, they are a good example. It's hard to raise kids. It's hard to live in this world of, of loving their children and serving their children. And so if you think that, yes, relationships will be easy if we didn't have problems, well, most of the relationships you're going to have in your marriage, future marriage, kids, future kids, there's going to be a lot of problems. Just think about, for those of you who are in your college days, in your 20s, interacting with your parents, and you want to honor them and obey them, is that getting easier as you age? Not necessarily, right? There can be a lot of soul-crushing conversations that are going on. Especially if you're a believer and your parents are not believers and you want to do a certain thing with your life. Maybe you want to go on missions. Your parents are like, excuse me? 
you just went to Northwestern, and now you want to go on missions? How's that conversation going in your house? It can be kind of soul-crushing, right? What about those of you who are older and your parents are starting to get up there in age, and maybe they're getting sick, and their body is deteriorating along with their mind, and you are now caring for them? How do you honor them and love them? And something that seems so soul-crushing, they used to take care of you, and now you're taking care of them. It's interesting how these family dynamics tend to follow us through life, and many of them can be soul-crushing. So what does it look like to love, and to live with one another in a certain way, even in our families, where we serve and offer grace and forgiveness and mercy? Well, that's what we're going to look at this morning as we turn back to Colossians so feel free to turn to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at just a few verses today. So go ahead and stand up, and I'm going to read these verses here. We're in Colossians 3, just verses 18 through 21. Let me read it. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. You may be seated. We've spent the last couple of weeks talking about our identity in Christ, remember? Who we are in Christ, and that is to, to lead to a life of holiness and love and we're to see that we're to treat with one another. It's compassion, kindness, humility, and, and this worshiping community. But just as we've been saved and placed in this new spiritual family, we still have responsibilities and obligations to our physical family. Do not think that once you become a Christian, you can dismiss your physical family. And I do wonder if some in the congregation of Colossae, these false teachers were saying, hey, you're a believer now. You don't need to worry about your physical family. And Paul is pushing back and saying, no, 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 no. Just because you're saved and in this new community, you still have obligations and responsibilities to your physical family. And the Bible gives instructions, once again, how we're to interact with one another. And this is important. And let me tell you why. Because some of you can come to church and you can be nice to me. You can be nice to other people, and yet at home, you're a monster. For those of you, you can be friendly, and yet you're so mean to your parents. You can come here and be gracious, and yet you're rude with your spouse. Do you see there could be a disconnect here? You can come in here and go, wow, you're so patient with your kids at church. How are you like at home? How was this morning? Mine not so good. Anybody else? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But you see, there can't be this disconnect. We go, oh, we're spiritual now. We're in this new family. No, no, no. We still have obligations and responsibilities to our physical family. And what I'm going to say a few times today, as far as it depends on you, love your family as is fitting in the Lord. Love your family as is 
fitting in the Lord. Now, 60% of you are single, and you're thinking, uh, I'm not so sure what this has to do with me. Hey, you want to start understanding some of these dynamics that the Bible is teaching now as a single person and walking with the Lord now. And there will be some things in here that may strike you as controversial. There may be some things in here that make you mad. There may be some things in here that you do not understand, all of you. And so if you have a struggle understanding, I'm not going to answer all your questions, but I tell you what, if you have any more questions after this, be sure you ask your ethos leader. They're ready to answer all your questions. Yeah? Okay. My point is, this is not all going to be resolved right now. This is something we all grow into and understand. But once again, this is God's word, not making this stuff up. I didn't say, well, we just might as well have a sermon on this topic. It's just in the book we're going through. And we don't want to just cut stuff out. We want to preach it all. So here we go, preaching it all. So let's start with the really exciting verse, 18 of chapter 3. Wives... Submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. What does that mean? Well, to submit, according to what's going on here, is to willingly place oneself under the leadership of another. And in this context, Christian wives are to voluntarily place themselves under the leadership of their own husbands. Not all men, okay? Not all men, just submission to your husband. And in the marriage relationship, the Lord has arranged for the husband to lead and for the wife to follow his leadership. This does not make him better than her or superior, but this is God's design for marital harmony. The husband and wife clearly are equal in nature, but different in function. Both are created in the image of God and redeemed, but there are different roles in marriage. And according to this passage, and we'll see some others, the husband is to be the God-ordained leader, and the wife is to freely and humbly follow his lead. Now, some of you have not heard that before. You're like, that goes against everything you've ever been taught before. Do you think you're just going to show up to church and we're going to affirm everything you've ever been taught? you got to let God's Word do its thing. And like, okay, this is what it says. Why does it say this? Why does it tell wives to submit to their husbands? Why? Good question. So let's bring in some similar teaching from another passage from the book of Ephesians. I'll actually be putting these up for you, which will elaborate. So let's start with Ephesians 5.23. Ephesians 5.23 says... For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. The reason that is given for the wife to submit to her husband is rooted in the relationship between that of the church, relationship with Christ. The husband and Christ are both called the head. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, which means he is the one that has authority, and he's ruler over his body, the church. In a similar way, the husband is the head of the wife. It's not demeaning. 
Just as the church is not demeaned by the headship of Christ, so the wife is not demeaned with the headship of the husband. And not only is it not demeaning, but, but leadership does not give her husbands free reign to excessively control their wives, supervise her every move, or oppress her through domination. And wives must never, ever follow their husbands into sin. You see, Jesus' authority and rule is not demeaning or oppressive, but sacrificial because he died on the cross to save the church. Now, I, some of you are like, well, what does this actually look like? Tell me what it looks like. And this is why you go to Ethos Committee, because you can discuss these things of what it may look like or may not look like in your own marriage. But I want to share with you a, a, a few thoughts, a few things about Submission, before I move on to the man's responsibilities. So, number one, submission is a willing act of obedience before God. <laughs> it cannot be forced. Wives submit to their husbands as a form of worship to God. Basically, men, do not manipulate your wife to submit. Submission is her willing obedience and worship before God. Number two, submission doesn't mean you can't talk about things. Communication needs to happen within the husband and wife relationship. And a, and a wife and a husband can talk about where they're going to go to church, where they're going to serve, where they're going to live, jobs, kids, how they're going to school their children, and a variety of other issues. So don't think, well, submission means that the husband's just the only one talking, the wife just goes along with everything, because that's not what's going on here. There's a lot of give and take, and hopefully most of the decisions can be by mutual agreement. Number three. Submission is not going along with grumbling or complaining. That's not submission. That's disrespectful to see a wife constantly dogging her husband's leadership. That's not submission. And lastly, submission is not conditioned on the love of the husband, where a wife will say, well, I will submit to you if you express some love to me. The Bible even goes so far, I'm, 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 just, I'm not making this up, the Bible goes so far to encourage wives to submit to their husbands even if they are unbelievers. In fact, it says in 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2, it says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. There's probably no one I hold a more higher esteem in regards in the churches is women who are gracious and loving and kind with their unbelieving husbands. Pray for them, encouraging them, and even doing it over a lifetime and sometimes seeing their husbands come to faith in Jesus. It's very encouraging to me. Now, as we read some of this, and for those of you who have any background studying this, you may wonder, well, isn't this just cultural? I mean, come on, 2,000 years ago, surely this is just a cultural command. Surely it's just cultural. I don't think it's cultural for a variety of reasons, but one of them is that, look again at verse 18. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Is that cultural? <laughs> As is fitting in the Lord. You see, she's submitting with the motivation 
as to that which is fitting in the Lord. So what we're talking about here is the wife is to view her submission to her husband in the bigger scheme of reality. There is someone else involved who is due submission, and he is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the wife does not submit to her husband as if he's the only one who exists, but she submits to him because she sees the existence of another, Jesus Christ. It reminds me of the old school uh, Wii Nintendo. Are you familiar with this? It reminds me of the old Nintendo Wii video system, which my six-year-old has now just recently discovered. I'm so glad we didn't throw it out. But some of the characters, if you ever played before, some of the characters are see-through. At first, you don't understand why it's like that, but I'm like, oh, I see why their characters are see-through. So you can see the playing field better, Yeah. You can see other characters better. So some of the, the, the characters are see-through. And that's the idea of submission. It's not just between you and your husband or future husband. It's as if you see through your husband and you see the Lord, as is fitting in the Lord. So if you were ever going at it with your husband and you guys are having a hard time, you're clashing, and maybe you just start really staring at him, and he says, what are you staring at? And you say, I'm just trying to see through you. I'm just trying to see through you. And I know it's not easy. As is fitting in the Lord. Well, now we move on to the husbands. And many people think, well, the husbands have it easy. Yes, we are just called to die. So that's not easy. So let's go with Colossians 3, verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. By the way, this command to the husbands was very countercultural. Women were often distanced, dismissed in this culture, but Christian husbands were to be different. And they were to actively seek the good of their wives and love them. In fact, they were to model their love for their wives after Christ's love for his church. And the question you have to ask yourself is, how did Christ love the church? Once again, back to Ephesians. Here we go. Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The idea there is that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save his bride, the church. His bride did not deserve his love or earn his love, but he willingly laid down his life in love for the church. The cross is the standard of how you should love your wife. The cross is the standard of how you should love your wife. There was once this um, pastor who talked this way. He said, um, how many of us have realized that we are always to think of the married state in terms of the atonement? We talk about the atonement, that's Christ's sacrifice on the cross to forgive our sins. Is that our customary way of thinking of marriage? Where do we find what the books have to say about marriage? So if you go into the Christian bookstore and you want to look for books on marriage, where are they at? They are in the Christian living section, right? The Christian loving say, and he says, but those books do not belong there. <laughs> we must put them under the doctrine of atonement. 
and how men are to love their wives. And so there is this, this guy, he comes up to his pastor and he says, hey, pastor, I know you say to love my wife, but I can't love my wife. My wife is killing me. And the pastor said, you know, Jesus was married to a difficult wife as well. Christianity. How would you like to be married to Christianity? And his bride did kill him. For it was on the cross that he died for the sins of his bride, the church. He loved her all the way to death. And he is the model for men to follow, sacrificially serving and loving their wives. I'm going to bring you back to verse 19 again. Can you look at it again? It says, Husband, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Do not be cruel. Do not be demeaning or arrogant. In fact, the Bible goes as far to say, there's this passage in 1 Peter that says that you are to live with your wife in an understanding way so that your prayers may not be hindered. And if you're a man here today who's married and you feel like God's not answering your prayers, perhaps it's because you're being harsh with your wife. God says he's not going to hear your prayers. He's not going to respond to them. So let me be brief on a few ways the men can love their wives. Number one. Loving your wife takes time. Man, you might find it easier to stay at work longer, crank out the long hours rather than go home and face your wife. And you think it's impressive that you can crank 60, 70, 80 hours a week? I'm not impressed. That's easy. I always joke around with my staff um, that when a, a holiday comes and then we're not going to, we have to stay at home instead of coming to work. I'm like, no, I want to come to work. because not, not because of my wife, of course, but because, you know, all the kids there. i got to serve the kids. I'm like, can I please come in on Christmas Day? I mean, I, I, I just don't want, it's easy to work, right? It's easy. But it takes time to love your family and to love your wife and to love your kids. Number two, Love your wife by taking the lead. It's probably one of the more frustrating things for wives is a man who will not lead. It's like they just want to scream and say, lead. Lead. Get in the word, pray, seek the Lord. But please lead. Number three. Love your wife unconditionally and don't be manipulative. Love your wife to love your wife, not to get something from your wife. I've read books uh, that talk about in order to get your wife to love you in a certain way, then you need to love her in her certain way. You've heard these before? So, if you want to be intimate with your wife then you need to do the dishes and take out the trash. So once you do the dishes and take out the trash, then look out. 
that, something about that doesn't sound right. I'll scratch your back, you scratch my back. You know, like, it's a little trade-off here. That doesn't sound very sacrificial. It doesn't sound very unconditional. It seems like you're doing something to get something. Love your wife unconditionally. All right. So that's been really easy. Submission and love. You guys go work that out. Now let's bring kids into the picture. Like, it's like marriage is hard. It is, right? But once you throw kids into the mix, it's all over with. It gets super, super, super hard. So let's look at some of the passages about what we're supposed to do with these kids. Colossians 3. We'll finish up with verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. You're like, well, why is he addressing fathers? What about moms? Don't moms have a role to play in the raising of their kids? Absolutely. Moms play a huge part in raising their kids, but, but a large chunk of the responsibility and what's addressed right here falls on the fathers. And men, you need to hear this because men often have a history of abdicating their responsibilities to their wives. Let the wives take care of the discipline. Let the wives instruct them spiritually. And she can do all those things, but the command here is aimed at the Father. And let's elaborate some more from Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. I'm going to talk to moms too. I'm going to talk to both of you. You, just, you don't want to provoke your kids. And provoking your kids is, is kind of like you, if you see a dog, if you take this stick and you, you poke a dog, and you just keep poking that dog, that dog's going to get mad. And I think a lot of times as parents, we can poke our kids, right? Just poke our kids. Just poke them. We can pick on them. We can nag them. We can demean them. We can make fun of them. We can discipline them in anger or too harshly. Or we can abuse our authority over them, treating them unfairly. We can just make up rules that don't make sense. And not being compassionate when they get hurt. Pushing them too hard to achieve and succeed and dogging them when they don't make their goals. And my biggest thing, the way I poke my kids, and I'm just... I'm just Way too sarcastic. Way too sarcastic. Poking them, poking them, poking. And when you do that, they, they get angry. In fact, a lot of them just get discouraged. Look at the end of verse 21 again. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And a lot of our kids, sometimes they just shut down. You poke them too much, and you're irrational, and you're irritable, and you're an angry parent just get discouraged and they get hesitant around you and never relax. They're on edge and they're wondering when you're going to go off again. And, they, and you'll see often in kids sometimes when they get that so much, they shut down. They're discouraged. And you don't want that. Well, let's add a positive word to it from Ephesians. Ephesians 6.4 adds a positive word. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but instead bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers are to bring them up, which means to nurse them carefully and as they mature and grow. And this child brings me in a context of nourishing love and tenderness. And I know a lot of you are like, well, I didn't get that from my parents. Well, it's, it's, your, turn, it's your turn to learn anew and set a new standard for your kids. And it's not easy. I understand that. But we're to nourish them and bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's like this Christ-centered child rearing. Now, I, I like what's going on in this, this generation. What I want to say, this generation, I'm not quite sure what generation I have in mind, but 
there is an older generation, and you know who they are. Maybe my parents, maybe I'm old enough to be your parents, so maybe it's my generation, that were pretty harsh with their kids, kind of didn't take care of them, always making jokes like, yeah, my wife, she does the diapers with the kids, and she takes them places, and she, she knows all about their schedules. I don't know anything. And you have this disconnect, right? And then you have a generation of, of guys who were raised by those dads. And what, what do we do? Go the opposite direction, right? And I think this is good. And so you'll have dads coaching their kids, teams. I mean, I was at my, my kid's concert on uh, Friday. It's a first and second grade concert. I mean, tons of dads there, totally skipping work, filming their kids. I'm like, man, it's just a first and second grade concert. It's not that big of a deal. But they're like, and they have like their extended family there. I mean, dads these days are really super into their kids. They know their schedules. They can give them baths. They can get them dressed. Not all dads. Some of you are slackers. But most dads are really into their kids, right? And I, I commend you. I'm impressed. I'm blown away. But, but I just want to say, that's just kind of how the cultural winds are going right now. Most even unbelieving dads are really obsessed about their kids right now. And, and I think that's good. But to the Christian dads out there, I want to say, Take it one more step and teach them about Jesus. Take it one more step and give them the word of God. Because if you're not, you're just like the rest of the dads, obsessive about soccer, sports, and grades. Take it one more step and give them the word of God. Of course, your wife can do this as well, but let that fall on you. And if you don't know what you're doing or how to do that, there, there are so many kid devotional books out there. There's this book called The Bible. You can just start reading that. There's so many options out there to raise your kids in the Lord. So that's great. You're over-involved, but take it one more step. You know, we all need grace to fulfill these roles. I mean, for those of you who are in here and you're married and you hear these words submit, you're like, I don't want to submit to my husband. For those of you who are in here struggling in your marriage, like, I don't want to love my wife. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, there's some of you in here and you're hoping that your spouse heard this. It's almost like you'll be like, did you hear that? Did you hear that sermon? That was for you. And if your kids are here like, did you hear that? That's for you. No, no, this sermon's for all of you. All of you. And I know it's not easy. That's why we need grace and forgiveness and the cross of Jesus. And if you find it difficult to honor and obey your parents, you need grace. Find it difficult to love your spouse, you need grace. Find it difficult to raise your kids in this soul-crushing world, you need grace. And I want to pray for you. And I want you to take these burdens you have to the Lord of even loving your family. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we all experience these soul-crushing times, and I know there's some parents in here that are in the midst of it right now. Their kids maybe have a lot of medical issues, emotional issues. Even, even the single mom or a single dad in here trying to raise the kids on their own. It, it feels soul-crushing. 
Lord, we need grace. We need grace. Give us patience. Give us endurance. Some of the parents in here are so tired, their kid just will not sleep. It's wearing them out. The kids just don't seem to get it or obey. They're, they're, they're out of control. Lord, give us grace in these soul-crushing times. And as we, our children, trying to obey our parents at a variety of different ages, and some of them are, our parents are ill, or some of them are just having hard times and they're taking it out on us, Lord, give us wisdom how to obey and honor our parents when it can be soul-crushing. And lastly, Lord, I just pray for the marriages in here, especially the ones that are going at each other. The last thing in my mind is about submission or love. It's all about attack, criticize, demean. And I just ask, starting this morning, whether their spouse responds or not, that a man or woman will just have a different attitude starting today and look for grace and turn to you and turn to their brothers and sisters for help. And we just ask, Lord, that you give us all grace, of course, in our spiritual family, but much more also in our physical family. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.